So we've entered a third week uh, today of talking about what is so amazing about the birth of Jesus. And, and so we've done two weeks. And this morning, I, I simply just want to say to you that our focus about his birth will be the following. And it's going to come up here on our slides that um, the question is, what is so amazing? This morning, I want to say that his birth came with an assignment and with an agreement. So the two things that we're going to talk about this morning is that the birth of Jesus came with an assignment and with an agreement. And, and we're going to try to help one another to see that there's something that's been assigned and there's something that you and I need to agree about. I hope that you will be able to, at the end of this preach, say, I'm in agreement. I want to continue to be in agreement with what God is saying. So we're going to read the Word of God together. I'm going to ask you to do this with me this morning. We honor the Word of God, and, and I'm going to ask you to stand, and we're going to read it from, from the screens over here. Is that okay? So everybody, why don't you just stand with me, please, as we recognize the beauty of God's Word. And so our DJ on the, um, on the overheads or the, the monitors will help us. And so here it starts in verse 26. So just read with me. I'll lead you, all right? And you read with me. Is that okay? All right, it says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of David forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Well done. Thank God for the reading of his word. You may take your seats. Amen, amen, and amen. It's great to read the word of God together. So what I want to do is I want to go back to verse 26 and unpack just what was really happening during this time. And, and again, time would, would not afford us to go into all the details, but there's just some incredible things that we're going to be looking at. And primarily, we're going to end up with looking at that there's been an assignment and there's an agreement required from you and me. And I trust that we will see that. And so we go back to verse 26, if you want to, and you guys are welcome to follow on the screen. The first slide would it be, it says, um, 
in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God. You see that? Gabriel didn't just arrive out of nowhere thinking, hey, listen, this is a good thing to do. And we know that some two weeks ago, we spoke about the 400 years of silence, that, that, that God did not specifically speak to anybody, but God was at work. Remember that? And that there were many things that were taking place. And so what we find here, in the beginning of both Matthew and in Luke particularly, we see that somehow, suddenly, heaven is speaking again. And here we have this beautiful incident. Just picture with me. In Mary's mind, and also in Joseph, and even the story ahead before this, of Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, these are people that had no knowledge of God speaking to them like this. They must have had, obviously, the scrolls of the Old Testament that they could find and read about the prophets speaking. But in the last 400 years, there were no record. There was no record of God speaking. You know, that God was active. But yes, suddenly, out of nowhere, this angel arrives, and it says the angel sent from God to the city of Nazareth came. Now, I want you just to stop and consider this. That God has, a, has an incredible desire and a heart to speak to his people. And so what we find in the whole of the New Testament particularly, we see even Jesus would come, sent from above, you know that? To come and speak and to reveal to us the beauty of who the Father is and, and also the beauty of what our purpose here on earth will be. And so God sent and he keeps on sending through the New Testament, this, this incredible message that, guys, you need to hear what I want to say to you. Heaven wants to speak. And guess what? Even though the Bible, in the sense of the, the records of God's word to us, has come to an end, He still speaks today. Heaven is still sending messages to you and me. And it does not necessarily come in the form of an angel, and praise the Lord, when that does happen, Jesus doesn't have to come back to speak to us. He will return with a different purpose. But the point is that heaven wants to speak to you and me. And it's not dependent upon what happens on a Sunday. It's not like we've got to come to a church gathering to hear from heaven. And for often, for too long, that we ha that, that's kind of like in the mindset. And many people, I've got to hear from God. So I'm going to go to a church gathering somewhere to hear from the pulpit what God is saying. No, no, no. You have your word. The Bible is available for you to be able to read from and to learn from. And then on top of that, together with it, you have God's Spirit inside of you. He is heaven sent. <laughs> and you know, one of the most amazing things for us, and I, and I speak for, on behalf of elders, shepherds of God's people. One of the most amazing things for me is to listen to people when they say, I, I spent some time with God and feel that God is saying the following to me. And it's in line with God's word and it's concurrent with that. And it's, it's not the opposite of what God teaches. And, and just a word that God had spoken from scripture or into their spirit through Holy Spirit, just confirming certain things to them. There's nothing for me that, that satisfies me in terms of hearing what, what God is doing in people's lives when they can themselves say, I have heard from heaven. I am listening to what God wants to say to me. 
We, we have ears to listen, but we've got to make sure that we listen to the right source, isn't it? To the right voice. And, and I want to encourage you. One of the most amazing things is I started just reading this portion in Luke was just to see the desire that still exists for heaven to speak to us. And we read this wonderful portion. Gabriel was sent from God. Gabriel was sent from God. Today, it's still happening. A word this morning can rise up within your heart about, hey, this is what God is saying to me. And, and so often we, we limit God speaking to direction. Where should I go? What should I do? Who should I marry? Where should I stay? What should I do with my life? And that's directional stuff. And it's great that God will speak and he does speak about those things. But you know what? God wants to speak about himself to us and reveal more of who he is and his character to us. And so may our questions more be, God, help me to see who you are and not just what I need to do. Okay? And so may our, our encouragement constantly be towards one another. And, and, and in a sense, questions is, hey, what have you learned about God of late? What are you learning? What has God shared with you about his heart of late? What is, if you have a journal where you write down the things that you just kind of perceive God is dropping into your spirit, are those things mostly related to what you need to do or who you need to be? May God speak about, may our hearts, I think God is speaking, may our hearts be open to hear about more about our being, not about our doing. Don't just question him about your hands and your feet, but about your heart. Okay? So that's just something that, that stirred my heart as I read this thing that, that Gabriel was sent from heaven. Then this is what Gabriel says. He arrives at, the Bible says, at a virgin betrothed to a man. And he says to her in verse 28, Greetings, O favored one. What a beautiful thing <laughs> to be greeted with. Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. And then this is something that obviously I'm sure all of us would have been startled if this was us. She was greatly troubled in verse 29 at the saying and, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. It's like, Hey, what you're up to, buddy? Kind of like paraphrasing it. Who is this man? He appears as a man, and he says to her, Greetings, O favored one. And she's probably a little bit skeptical at this stage. <laughs> like, hey, what do you want? Like some of you may be, not all of you, I'm sure. There's some of you like, I can see you're an angel. I know that you come from heaven to bring me a message. But some of us will like, yeah, what's up? What do you want? What are you selling? Uh-huh. Are you from wherever? Zumra, Zesa, or Sonara? <laughs> anyway, and so there's a little bit of skepticism, and, and this is what the angel then says to her to comfort her. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. So he greets her and says, Greetings, O favored one. When she's startled, he says to her, Do not be afraid. For you have found favor with God. Now, we need to understand what this word favor means. And the, and the root word of where it comes from in the Greek is the Greek word charis. 
charis, which really means the grace of God, the kindness of God. And he says to her, actually, you know what, Mary? The grace of the Lord is upon you. God has desired, his desire is to be gracious to you. And in actual fact, it's such a beautiful thing to, to express over one each other, to say over each other and say, the Lord bless you, the Lord be gracious to you. And we read that in the um, ironic um, blessing in Numbers where, where God taught Aaron through Moses to bless the people and say, the Lord bless you and be gracious and kind to you. What a great thing to say over each other. There are other things that we often say, but maybe our, our language should change, isn't it? Here we see an angel bringing this incredible message of hope in the midst of, of her turmoil and her moment of being troubled. He declares her as one who will experience the grace of God extended towards her. And we know that God is no respecter of person. So God's not going to be gracious to some and, and your block, you're going to miss out on that. God's gracious to everyone. And so keep on saying that to each other. But I just want to mention something here. And kind of like as I was reading it, I felt like I wanted to mention this to you. Is that, that Mary became the recipient of God's grace. And she did not become the source or the giver of grace. We've got to just stop here for a moment. Because there's sometimes, and there are, and there's a theology that goes around that says Mary is the source of grace. But Mary is not the source of grace. God is. God was saying to her through Gabriel, I want to extend grace to you. But I'm not going to make you the source of grace. Mary never became that. She was an incredible woman. She was faithful in what God called her to. But it's important to make these comments about Mary just here. If you have thought about Mary to be something more than what the Bible says, you are on the wrong path. Understanding what God wants us to believe about Mary. She was a remarkable and godly woman. She was, though, a normal woman that sinned like you and me. Making her more than what the Bible teaches us is incorrect and goes directly against the commands in the Bible to worship God only and not man, or in this fact, woman. And so we've got to make sure that what God intended her to be, she was going to be the carrier of this incredible seed that God gave her. But that's all she was going to be. Nothing more. And praise God that she was faithful with that. We're not in any way from the Bible instructed to worship her or to pray to her. We have a king in heaven. We don't have a queen in heaven, to put it that bluntly. Okay? We're going to help one another. If there's any un understanding in your mind theologically that Mary is someone that we pray to, the Bible does not indicate that at all. Something that was instituted by man, and we've got to help each other with the correct understanding. A wonderful thing that she did here, accepting what God assigned her to, she has no ability to hear or answer our prayers. The Bible does not teach that. And we've got to warn ourselves and our friends around us that there's no person, there's no deceased person that have lived on earth 
that has the ability to hear our prayers and to answer our prayers. Okay? So even in our traditional beliefs, if we have had a, see, a, a deceased person that we want to approach and say, please, could you help us? You're approaching the wrong person. There's only one mediator, Hebrew says, and his name is Jesus Christ. The one who stands in on our behalf who appears before the Father. So we do not approach any other person but Jesus Christ. Mary was an incredible woman, like all of you also are. But it doesn't give us this responsibility to one day when I die to hear your prayers and go to Jesus and say, I've just heard some prayers from my friends that I was with. Would you? And he's like, buddy, you can't hear that stuff. <laughs> you come missing it completely. And so please make sure that we don't approach Mary to listen to our prayers. There's no queen in heaven, ladies and gentlemen. There's only a king in heaven. And his name is Jesus Christ. Okay? Not fighting anybody about it. We're just going to listen to. This is a beautiful story where, where Mary is used by God in an incredible way. But don't take her to a level where she doesn't or she shouldn't be. Mary didn't ask for it. We made it. People here on earth did. Anyway, so we carry on reading as we unpack just this portion. And so now the, now the, the, uh, the, the angel comes to her having calmed it down and said, Listen, you're, you're favored by God, extending grace towards you, something beautiful that God's going to do with you. This is actually how it's going to happen. This, so this, here comes this announcement made by the angel. He says, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. So miraculously, Mary, he will fall pregnant. And by the way, you're not going to have the privilege to call him the name that you want to call him. These things are going to happen by divine um, assignment. God has instituted it. God has decreed it that you will fall pregnant by the Holy Spirit coming and impregnating you. And then you're going to call him Jesus. And now I guess just imagine, because we are dealing here with, with a teenage girl. A teenage girl. That is betrothed to Joseph, not married yet. They haven't been together. She's going to fall pregnant. Everybody's going to see it. Amen? It's quite a visible thing. Amen? And so she's going to walk around amongst her peers and, and she's going to be asked, I thought you guys are getting married. And imagine trying to deal with that. Yet God had chosen that this is how it's going to happen. And then it carries on. Then, then there's more to be said about this child that was to be born. And this is the assignment that I want to talk about this morning. It says in verse 32, he will be great. Look at all these incredibly strong statements that are made about him. He will be great. Say with me, will be. It's not just he may be. It could possibly happen. It will be. He will be called the son of the Most High. And he will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. It's not like mm, these things may happen. Mary, this, God's got this incredible idea. Um, and it, I'm not quite sure whether it's going to come about or not. No, this is a definite. You see the, the clear statement that is made about the assignment of Jesus. 
It will be, ladies and gentlemen. It not just might be. It will be. And so what God decrees will give to him the throne. He will reign. And he will, of his kingdom, there will be no end. You and I cannot stop. What God decrees is eternal, is forever and everlasting. And we do not have the right to doubt that or challenge it or dispute it. So here we have heaven speaking, saying, Earth, listen, this is what will be. And whether you like it or not, this is what God has said. It's, in, it's like a full stop. There's not a comma here. You know what a comma is? Something that could be said further or could change what we've just read. There's a full stop that says it's in place, it's everlasting, it's not to be disputed or to be argued around and to consider, hmm, I wonder if that would really happen. No, it will be. And I think this is the dilemma for us often, is that we think we can consider whether it should be that real in our lives or not. I know God said it will be, but for me, I will decide whether it will be for me. That's the dilemma of humanity today, is that we think we have the right to say, God said this, yes, I understand, but whether I will concur with that is my call. Yes, He's given us the free choice, but it is His desire for us to come in line with what He said will be. And so around Christmas, when we celebrate Christ and Him coming to earth, it's not just a wonderful little baby that came and it's like so cute and it's wonderful. You can hand around gifts and it can be around the Christmas tree and it can sing a couple of um, you know, Christmas carols and that'll be so nice. No, it's what He said will be should be real in our lives today. It's part of the Christmas message. Is it real for you? And me. Now, in this, in this moment of hearing this message, we read in verse 34 that Mary then says to the angel, her biggest question is not whether Christ will become and be what he needs to be. It's like, <laughs> excuse me. It's like, you know that I'm a virgin. I'm like, I'm not with a man and as far as I understand, my mom taught me the ABCs, the Bs, and the stuff that we always talk about. It's like, I don't think it's going to happen. I'm a virgin. And it's not trying to mock her that we raise this. It's just trying to say she understood certain principles that are governed by God. She said, well, God said the only way that I can be pregnant is if I'm in a marriage relationship with a man. And I'm not there yet. Kind of like, excuse me, time out, um, Gabriel. Just something is not making sense here. I'm not going to be able to fulfill this role that seemingly you guys have decided for me. And I'm just asking a question. How could this, how could this happen? I'm not married. I can't fall pregnant. She understood that bearing a child and marriage go together. Simple thing. Simple thing. But somehow, we, as human beings, we become so wise. 
like falling pregnant or sexuality and sexual expression of myself and marriage doesn't have to go together. I can decide about that. Mary has said, no, I can't have sex so that there will be a child born because I'm not married. This is a problem, Gabriel. In a sense, that's what she was saying. Come on. You agree? She was just saying, this is not possible. Because I believe, Mary speaking, that the only way that I can fall pregnant is if I'm married to one man, and then God could, in that, let us have a child. She understood that these two things go together. Somehow, we've changed it today. We say, it doesn't have to go together. We can decide how we want to express ourselves sexually. Within and even outside or before marriage. So this is a very important point for us just to stop. We're talking Christmas stuff, but we also got to be real. And say Mary had a, a little bit of a dispute here. She was saying, I understand God's boundary lines for me in terms of sexuality. You telling me that I should step outside of that? He says, no, God will do it miraculously. But I love just to stop and recognize that this young lady, a teenage lady, had understood the boundary lines of what sexual expression should be functioning within. And I'm not in any way condemning anybody who has stepped outside of those lines. But I need to tell you that the things that we celebrate as believers in this church will always be within the boundary lines of what God expects of us. And when we have stepped outside of them, we come to our Father and we say, God, I'm, I'm repenting of what I have done. And if you don't think that outside of those boundary lines is, is that much of an issue, we've got to help you because it is that much of an issue. And even if you're married today, and you say, well, it happened before I got married, and then we got married, and I'm okay now. No, that sin, if you haven't repented of it, it's still a sin. It's still there, hanging over you. And it could be a reason why possibly you're battling perhaps in your marriage. I'm not saying you should, but I'm just saying clear yourself of anything that you're carrying with you, baggage that comes from a life outside of the boundary lines that God determined for us. There's the clear thing here that Mary is referring to. She's saying, sex before marriage, Gabriel, is not acceptable for me. But as much as that is also wrong, we also talk about any other sex within marriage that is not within God's boundary lines are also not acceptable for us. That's what we call adultery. And so we encourage one another to live within the boundary lines. What do those boundary lines really produce for us? What it does for us is it produces a huge respect unto God. We say, God, we value you. We don't want to grieve you. That's why I prefer to stay within the boundary line. I'm not just afraid of what sin could do to me. I'm so concerned about my relationship with you that I don't want to step outside of the boundary lines that you've created for me. The other thing that we also don't want to do, we don't want to grieve people. Because if I do step outside of the boundary line, before marriage and in marriage, I grieve people. You don't satisfy people. You grieve people. You hurt people. 
You hurt another person and you think that it satisfies you and maybe satisfy them for that moment. But actually, if it's outside of God's boundary lines, it is causing damage to the other person and to you. And we need to help one another around these things. Because in the world, it is celebrated. Just go to wherever you want to do. Step outside of God's boundary lines. Forget about the simple thing that Mary's like, hey, this is not going to work. Hey, if it can work for you, it's fine. And that's what the world is teaching us. If it feels good, it's okay. But you know what? The world doesn't tell us how bad it will actually feel afterwards. How much regret we may sit with. How much guilt, how much shame we could bring on ourselves. And so don't let these things just be things that we skip over and ignore and say, it's not really that important. They are incredibly important. I want to hasten through this portion, but we will have some more notes on it. But there are more reasons why it is important for us to stay within the boundary lines of sexuality. It is healthy for us. It is beneficial for our relationships. I chatted to somebody in the week, not somebody in this country, so don't even think about who it may be. The sad thing is this. This man spoke to another man. This man asked this person to come in and speak to him because this gentleman over here had heard that this gentleman had been sleeping with this man's wife. And he denied it initially. And then this week, the story is told, was shared with me by this man, that this individual called him in and said, come into my office. Please don't let any phones be here. Take away every phone that could possibly record what I'm going to tell you now. But I just want to admit that it was me. I did sleep with your wife. So but I'm saying it to you. I will not, I will not admit it to anybody else. If you want to quote me after this and tell others that I have said this to you, I will deny it emphatically. That's why I will not allow you to record anything. So this gentleman walked out with at least the release of, hey, it was true what I heard. The point is this, ladies and gentlemen, sexual sin is not bigger than any other sin. But the consequences of our sexual sins are huge. And this gentleman thinks that he's okay because nobody knows. Nobody will ever know because he will not deny. But the Father in heaven knows. And that's where we want to not grieve him. And so my my call to you, imploring you this morning, that if you have stepped outside of any boundary line within this, not have the heart that Mary has, you come to the Lord with repentance in your heart, even if you are married, even if this thing happened many, many years ago. But what is important is what we express before our King, because that is the most important. We carry on reading, and it says in verse 35 that the angel is now explaining to her how this will happen. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy the Son of God. And he he relates it to what has just happened to Elizabeth, that she was impregnated by Zechariah. They were both advanced in years, by the way. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is a sixth month with her, who was called barren. 
This is why these things are possible, he says in verse 37. For nothing will be impossible with God. I want to conclude with this in verse 38. We've seen the assignment. We've seen so clearly what God has destined for Jesus to be and to go and do. To be the son. To be the one of whose reign will never come to an end. And here Mary agrees. There's an assignment given. And Mary comes and she says these phenomenal words. Behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. She's saying really, whatever God has decided, I'm in agreement with that. Let it be to me according to God's word. And so we find that scripture is, is full of these assignments for us as human beings. He assigns the son to be what the son ought to be. And we have the decision to make whether we will be in agreement with that or not. And we live in a world, ladies and gentlemen, where there's this incredible thrust not to agree. <laughs> and the world is celebrating the fact that they're saying, we don't agree with God. And we're happy about it. And look at us. We may not see the effect of their disagreement. That's not for us to see. But for what we are supposed to pursue is, God, I, I love you. I honor you. And whatever you decree, or whatever you decide for me, I want to be in agreement with that. If God chooses holiness for us, we want to be in agreement with that. So the birth of Jesus brought about this incredible understanding that Jesus was assigned for something. But the world, you and I, even today, still have the choice whether we're going to be in agreement with that or not. You read so much of what Jesus said, what Jesus instituted, and left it up to you and me to agree about it or not. I don't know what you are in agreement with God today or not. I implore you, as you study the Word of God, you will, for instance, look at the Word of God where it says in, in, in Matthew 28, Jesus says, go and make disciples. He instituted that. He says, this is what your assignment is, male, female, followers of Jesus. Are you in agreement with that? Or are you disputing that? He's saying, no, this is something that's optional for me. Holiness. Serving God with all of our heart. Matthew 22, Jesus said, this is how you ought to love me. You ought to love him with everything. Mm, okay, I'll consider that. No, the, the Bible is clear. We've got to be in agreement with him. And so I conclude this morning by challenging you, myself included. To what extent am I living in agreement with what God has instituted, has decreed, has given to us as a way of living. I don't actually have a choice in that. Because the only way for me to really live is to be in agreement with what he had said. So the birth of Jesus brought this. Gave us an assignment. Jesus was given an assignment. But also in that, we are given an assignment. 
The choice is ours to agree or not to agree. Let me pray. Just close your eyes with me, please. Father, the purpose of this talk this morning just is that we want to make sure that we are in agreement with what you have instituted for us. Lord, I pray that we will not deliberate this. And if there are moments in our lives, Lord, in the past where we have said, well, I will consider this. I'll consider my obedience. I'll consider whether this is really going to be the way that I, I want to live. I, I pray that you will forgive us, Lord, for considering obedience, considering following your ways, considering the assignment given to us, considering letting you reign over us as you have instituted through what Gabriel said that day. Father, I pray that we will have the heart that Mary had where she said, let it be according to your word. And I pray, Lord God, in areas of our lives where we have been in control, whether it's through our sexuality that we've decided this is how I want to live, whether it's, Lord God, financially, this is how I want to live, whether it's through the way I deal with people, this is how I want to live, this is, always, this is what I've always done. Whatever way, Lord God, that we have decided, and it's not according to those boundary lines that are created by you, I pray, Father, that there will be a, an awareness this morning in our spirit by you, Holy Spirit, helping us to see that we've moved beyond those boundary lines. There's an assignment, Lord God. And there's also an agreement required. And I pray, Father, that we will see those two link hands. Help us this morning, Father, to see where we've got to come into agreement with you. Where we have been pursuing our own way. Father, I pray for humility in our hearts to recognize where we have gone our way. Where we've been trying, we've been tried to be wise in our own eyes, as Scripture says. But this morning, Lord God, we thank you for your grace. Your incredible grace to pull us back, to pull us back into the safe place of obedience to you. Thank you for heavenly assignments. Thank you that heaven is speaking, even right now. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And thank you, Lord God, for open hearts and willing hearts to agree. To agree with you. To agree with your word. And help us to, Lord, let that be the way our lives are patterned. Not just for a moment to be in agreement, but a lifestyle of agreement. Father, we trust you for that. Pray, Lord, that in this particular season that we're in, celebrating the birth of Jesus, that more and more our lives will come in line with what you've instituted. Let there be agreement, Lord God, upon us and upon this church. For your will, for your honor, not for our own pleasure even, but for your glory. God, we pray this in Jesus' precious name.
Amen.